What's up, Repray Share family and friends? We are back with another Bible study lesson for you. And this past week, Bible study lesson was given by Brother Jorian Wilson. Where in this lesson, he's taking a look at the story and the death of Lazarus, and he points out some observations that he makes and give us some amazing points to take away from it. And we hope and pray that after hearing this lesson, that it resonates with you and that it empowers you. And so today's lesson will be maybe a little different than my typical teaching, but it's more just uh, not trying to, to, to teach you, but more just sharing observations with you from a particular passage of scripture. So today we're going to be looking at uh, chap John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open your Bible. And if you don't, I'm going to share it here. And we're going to look at the story of Lazarus and what I was shown by God and what I've heard from listening to other teachers and uh, what I've understood from this story and just some observations, right? Just a few observations um, that I took in my notes as I was preparing for today that I want to share with you all. So if you have it, uh, open up your Bible. And if not, I'm going to share the text on the screen here so that we can read along together. Um, Great, you all should be able to see my screen. And so we're gonna read starting at verse one and we got a good piece of text here. That's why I wanna share it with you so you can read along with me. And said, it says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to, to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but now I will go wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, he is, if, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. 
Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them to unwrap him and let him go. So that was a whole lot of text, people. I hope that you were able to stick with me through that. But now I just want to kind of go back through the text and show you some of the observations that I got as I was studying this. And then we'll discuss as a family today, okay? And so uh, looking at John 11, verse 5, the first thing that I observe here is that Jesus is intentional, right? So it says that he gets this news about Lazarus being dead or Lazarus being sick. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are people that Jesus loves. And it, it tells us here that he loves them, right? But at the same time, it says that after he got this news, he decided to stay there for two more days before going to address the situation, right? So we have to understand from this that Jesus is intentional. He stayed there for a specific purpose, which we will see further along in this text, right? If it was you and I, if it was someone I love, we would be in a haste to go and help them out. Anytime my wife calls me, it doesn't matter where I am. If I'm in a meeting, if I'm on the golf course, uh, wherever I am, if she calls, I'm going to answer because she's my wife. I love her. And if she's calling, she may, it may be something serious. And so likewise, I imagine Jesus had the same feelings that we have, right? These are people he loves. He wants to go and help immediately. He wants to go and fulfill the purpose that he has immediately. Yet, 
He has to be patient until the time is right, until God is ready to use him in this moment to raise up Lazarus, right? So as we go further on in the text, I got to give a little uh, a little attention to our disciples here. Uh, the disciples, they are always so entertaining to me. They're very interesting because they're always saying something either that's funny or that's crazy, right? And so as we go further in the text, we look at verse 8, and it talks about how the disciples, they tell Jesus, Jesus, you want to go back to Judea? They were just trying to stone you a few days ago, and you want to go back? And then further along, we see where Thomas says, okay, let's go with Jesus. Let's go and die with Jesus too. And I imagine that Thomas isn't, isn't one who's uh, radical or uh, down for that, uh, for that, for that life. He's not about that life, but I feel like he's being more sarcastic, right? Like they was trying to stone him a few days ago. Now we're going back. So let's go and die with Jesus. But if you think about this, the disciples likely weren't so concerned about Jesus, more so they were concerned about their own well-being. They were concerned about their own health, their own safety, right? But we have to understand that God will fulfill his purpose. So knowing that God will fulfill his purpose, Jesus was okay with going back to this area of Judea where they wanted to kill him because he knew that he had not completed all that God had called him to do on this earth. Likewise, in our lives, we know that as we are walking in purpose, as we are doing what God has called us to do, no matter what the world says, no matter what the world uh, believes or is trying to do to us or put us through, we know that we are in God's hands. Because whatever he has called us to, the Bible tells us that he will see this good work through to the day of completion. And so we know that God will com complete his purposes for our lives. As we go on further in this text, looking at, at verse 17 here, we see that Jesus, he is getting, he's on his way to Bethany, right? It says that when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. And so if you're anything like me, you will be considered about why did Jesus wait four days to go and raise Lazarus, right? It's a, a, a very specific amount of time. And uh, thinking about this, I looked online and did a little bit of research and also heard a pastor talk about this. But in those days, it's believed that the Jewish people uh, thought that the spirit after someone died would hover over the body for a period of three days, right? As almost an attempt to, um, that the spirit could re-enter the body and they'd come back to life or something like that. And so after the three-day period, the spirit would enter into eternity. And so Jesus waits these four days, right? Uh, Lazarus was already dead, but he waited till Lazarus was dead, dead, right? After the three-day period where there was really no hope, right? And it's believed that that's why the people were wailing like they were, because they felt like there was still hope in that three-day period that Jesus could come and resurrect Lazarus. So Jesus intentionally waits till four days has passed, where uh, their beliefs would be shattered, where there was no hope bear their human understanding. And so he comes in on the scene after Lazarus has been dead four days. And so as he gets to Bethany, we see that Martha uh, goes out to meet Jesus. She knows that Jesus is back on the scene. She goes out to meet him and says, God, if you had only been here, our brother would not have died. But even now, I know that you are 
uh, that God will do whatever it is that you ask of him to do. Uh, and let me read it specifically. She says, Lord, if you had only, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And I, I love the this part of the text where it says that even now, there are some things that we have experienced in Read, Pray, Share specifically that have been even now moments where we've seen people uh, on their deathbed, people who have gotten a diagnosis from doctors and we've come here to pray for them. And that's an even now prayer, right? In our lives, there's going to be moments, there may be moments where we have even now, God, even though I have this diagnosis, even though I have this going on in my life, even though I know that they say there's no jobs available with my company, even now I know that you are able to do whatever it is that God wants to do in this moment. Martha had amazing faith despite her brother being dead. Despite him already being in the tomb, wrapped in these clothing uh, of death and burial, she still had a faith that even now God could do whatever it is that he wants to do. We have to be mindful that no matter what we go through, family, God is an even now God, and he can do whatever and however he wants to do things in our lives. So moving forward in our text here, I want to look at verse 35. So verse 35 says, this is the shortest scripture in the Bible, I believe. It says, then Jesus wept. In 33, we see that Jesus, he gets angry with the situation, right? He's angry uh, because I don't think he's angry at the people per se. I think he's angry at the position that he's in. I don't know if you've ever seen someone else that you love hurting and their hurt causes an anger to well up in you. I believe that's what Jesus is experiencing here. And he gets so angry to a point where it says that he wept. And that's not a wet. When you weep, it's not a, a tear rolling down your cheek. It's a, a, a physical uh, indication of sorrow. And so Jesus weeps as he's witnessing people that he loves, Mary and Martha, uh, struggle with the death of their brother. And I wanted to highlight this point because we don't serve a God who is so far removed that he doesn't understand our feelings, our emotions, and our thoughts. We serve a God who is able to empathize with the way that we feel. When we feel hurt, when we have heartbreak, when we're struggling with temptation, God knows how all of those things feel because he was fully God, but also fully human. And I love that this verse highlights that he wept because it just shows how he was overcome with emotion, just like those that he was in relationship who were only human, right? And we have to be mindful that as we go through things, we can be raw. We can be honest. We can be uh, candid with God about how we are feeling because God knows how we feel. He can empathize with us and we don't have to fake it till we make it as the world, as the world would tell us. So as we move forward to the end of this passage here, there, here we are in verse, uh, I want to read 40 through 43 again. It says, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? You could tell that God is getting, that Jesus is getting a little, a little uh, frustrated with, with, with Martha here. Martha is still doubting after Jesus has given her instructions. He's almost saying, woman, do what I told you 
to do. So he says, so they rolled the stone away. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them to unwrap him and let him go. We serve a God who is a God of resurrection, bringing things back to life. We see that here in Lazarus' life, but God is still in that business today. God is still able to, to raise and to bring things back to life that are dead, that are dead or that are dying, right? And I believe that there may be things in our lives now or at certain times that have been dead or that are dying. And God is telling us to come out of those things, right? To come out of that darkness, to come out of that sin. And he may not be shouting it, but he's, he's inviting you to come out. He wants to rescue you. He wants to save you. He wants to renew you and make you uh, brand new. And so uh, we have to understand that he raised Lazarus. He raised other people from the, off their deathbed, off their bed of affliction, off their sickness. And he wants to do the same thing for us. Maybe it's not a physical sickness, but maybe it's something mentally or emotionally that we struggle with that God wants to bring us out of. He wants to tell you to, to come out, my son. Come out, my daughter. I remember in 2016, I was in a very dark place personally. I was uh, entangled in so much sin that I didn't know if there was any hope for me, but God, right? But God saved me from that. A moment where I was spiraling so much so that I, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack because I had chest pains from the agony that I was uh, going through, what I was putting myself through. But God told me to come out of that, praise God. And that's my testimony, right? Is that God in my darkness, God told me to come out and he brought back to life something in me that was dying, that was on its way out for his good and for his glory. And the last thing I wanna share with us today is not found in verses uh, in this chapter, but it's found in, in chapter 12, right? Uh, early on in this text, it alluded to it, but it talks about here in verse 12, in chapter 12, where Mary, she does something that is very famous in text, that's very famous to the church for Jesus in preparation for his burial. And it says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The, the house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that the perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And so what I want to highlight here is, is Mary's response. Mary's response to, to what Jesus has done for her brother, right? We see, we see this, that Lazarus was sick. 
Mary and Martha called Jesus to come to his rescue, come and save him and be swift about it, right? Yet and still he takes his time and uses it for God's glory. And then we come to this point after the fact where Jesus is back in Bethany fellowshipping with them and Mary uh, gives Jesus this anointing, which uh, is usually the highlight of the message, right? Where she's pouring this perfume on Jesus. But what stood out to me is the cost of the perfume. They said it was worth a year's wages. Now, I don't know how much money you make a year, but whatever it is, whether you make a uh, dollar a year or whether you make a million dollars a year, that's your entire salary for a year's time. That is a major commitment, a major act of service, a major act of worship. And what um, I guess stood out to me is that though she gives this worship, though she gives this commitment, though she uh, pours this on his feet to uh, anoint him for his time of burial, I believe that it wasn't a big sacrifice for her. Knowing the, what Jesus had done for her and her family, knowing what Jesus had done for her brother, knowing who Jesus was, the commitment that she was willing to make wasn't too large for her. It wasn't um, out of her ability to understand or out of her comprehension of what she was sacrificing because it was all worth it to her, which made me think about this is, what is our response to what Jesus has done in our lives, right? Tomorrow we're getting ready to celebrate the death, the burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, our savior. But what is our response to what he has done on the cross for us? Not only that, but what is our response to what he has done in our individual lives? We don't have to all share our testimonies to know that God has delivered us from some things, that God has brought us out of some places, that God has wrapped his loving arms around us at times when we weren't deserving, at times where we didn't want him to, at times where we are the ones who were committing the very sins that he died for. One of my favorite songs talks, talks about that we are Judas's kiss, like we are the nails that were in God's hands because we, at different times of our life, have willingly chose to do things that Jesus had to die for. So when Jorian went to go and sleep with different women, Jorian was literally nailing Jesus to the cross. Whatever your sins were or whatever your sins are, we were the ones who were whipping Jesus, who were spitting up on him, who were mocking, who were saying, crucify him because we are the ones who are sin. He, he was innocent without sin, but he died in our place. And so as I'm closing out today, my question for us to consider is this, how are we going to respond to Jesus? And maybe you may be in a place where you've never committed your life to Christ and you need to do that for the first time. But I believe some of us have already done that. Most of us have already done that. But perhaps we are in a place where we need to recommit our lives to what God is calling us to in this life. Maybe we need to have a reevaluation where we sit back and reflect on what Jesus has done and have this appreciation like Mary had for Jesus, where she was willing to commit a year's salary to anoint him out of worship, out of appreciation, out of adoration for what he had done in her life. So that's my question for us today as I close out. If you have, if you want to respond to any of those, if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to begin walking in relationship with him for the very first time, I ask that you put a one in the chat, or if you want to recommit your life to Christ, 
I ask that you put a, a one in the chat. And what we want to do today is pray for you. We want to pray for you and we want you to, to be equipped as you begin this journey or as, that, as you recommit your life. And if I can be honest with you, I've recommitted my life to Christ several times, right? Because if I can be transparent, I haven't always chosen to walk the path that he called me to. There are times I've known the right thing to do, yet and still, Jordan wanted to go do what Jordan wanted to do. And so in those times, I know that I had to come back and say, God, I have I've fallen short, but Lord, help me to do what is right. Help me to willingly choose what is right. I'm not talking about the sins that we commit um, you know, on a daily basis that are unintentional. I'm talking about the things that we choose to do where we know we are wrong, that we need to recommit and say, God, I'm here again. God, I'm here to live the way you have called me to, Lord. I'm, it's not going to be easy, but Lord, I pray that you would strengthen me in this to do what is right and pleasing in your sight. So as we close out, I want to just share that with you. If you want to respond, let me know in the chat. We'll pray with you, and then we'll open up the floor today for just general discussion.